Welcome to episode 57 of Keeping Up with the Joneses. Somebody has had their caffeine. <laughs> I have had some, but I probably need some more. No, you, Based on the introduction, you don't need anything more. Well, I didn't sing a jingle, so clearly I need a little bit more. Why are you so tired, darling? <laughs> well, I didn't sleep that well last night. I ended up getting about four hours of sleep. That's never good. Why didn't you sleep, darling? I'm not entirely sure. It may have something to do with the quantities of marshmallows I shoved in my face while you weren't watching last night. <gasps> Are you kidding me? Well, because I haven't had much sugar in the last, I don't know, month or so. Uh-huh. Except when you're cheating. Well, it wasn't so much cheating. No, that's cheating. I rewarded myself. Uh, okay. I burned a ton of calories yesterday. My Apple Watch does not lie. Uh-huh. And, and then you... Well, they were just them back in with marshmallows. <laughs> they were just there, and they were white, and they were fluffy, and they're taunting me. They were like, "Eat me, eat me!" Strange. And so I think eating the four or five or six that I did, four or five or six, I lost count. Once the sugar high took How did over, you eat that many, and I didn't notice. You have issues. Well, I thought I'd be safe because I ate them at nine o'clock. We went to bed at eleven o'clock, but I was awake till two o'clock. It wasn't my finest hour of decision making. I think I need to go and help you with that by throwing out the rest of them so that you can't make the same error. Um, How was this week for you? It was a busy week, wasn't it? I mean, I guess we say that every week. Meetings, meetings, and more meetings. But good meetings. Well, let's not go so far as to say good meetings. Monday, (laughs) we were in meetings pretty much all day against our will. And at one point, I texted the rest of our team and said, literally, I will kill you for making me sit through this meeting. (laughs) In one of the meetings, <laughs> the person presenting, and this wasn't somebody from Grace Center, but the person presenting used a mix of Times New Roman and Comic Sans. At that point... In the presentation. At that point, I wanted to just... I'm sorry, darling. I know that's very painful for you. Oh, I was just like, is this a test from the Lord? Is this a test from the Lord? <laughs> it probably was. How do you think you did? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well... Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, I mean, aside from those mandatory meetings that we couldn't escape. Yes. It was a great week. It was a good week. Ask me what my highlight of this week was. What was your highlight? Jurassic World. Really? In IMAX. Okay, can I just tell you? Emily Mason told us that the movie was calmer than the previous Jurassic Parks and that no dinosaurs jump out at you. That is not the truth. (laughs) That is not even remotely close to the truth. What did you think it would be? A movie of dinosaurs just reading poetry? (laughs) I don't know. But there's definitely dinosaurs. I can think of like 10 scenes where a dinosaur jumps out at you. And And it was in 3D. Well, we saw it in IMAX 3D. So that made it And they jumped out. Good heavens. I almost jumped onto the little lady next to me at one point. She was squealing a lot. She she did. She was very cute. She kept um, screaming. And then she sort of curled up in the fetal position and basically was like almost in her husband's lap throughout the entire movie, which he was smiling and quite enjoying her antics. I liked it from start to beginning. It was a start perfect... to beginning. Yes, I liked the start <laughs> and the beginning as well. It's just that, you know, later into the movie, it wasn't so great. No. I'll plead the four hours of sleep amendment. <laughs> no, I really liked it. I thought it was your classic summer blockbuster. It was really, really excellent. It was very good. And tonight we're going to go see Tomorrowland. Yes. Which, I, I mean, seriously, I'm so excited about that too. Are you? I'm, I'm, I think I'm more excited about Tomorrowland, although I have no idea what to expect. I don't really know what it's about. It has George Clooney in it. That's all you care about. Right. What else do you need to know? 
<laughs> um, our deadline for SOSL was this week, so that was fun. Yep. Watching really everybody good. finish applying. Thank you to everybody who applied. We are looking forward to reading all your applications this week and we'll try and get back to you as quickly as we can. So exciting. Today is... Father's Day. I had to get it in there. Somewhere. You're just like a jingle machine, aren't you? I, wow. Aren't I? <laughs> but Father's Day. It's Father's Day. Do you want to tell everybody what you got me for Father's Day this year? I got you the same thing I think I get you every year for Father's Day. It requires no creativity, but you love it. And that is the Apple's developer kit. That's right. This is how awesome my wife is. My wife and my children every year buy me a year-long membership to the Apple developer community, which even though I'm not a developer, they give me access to all the pre-release software, which this year, this must just mark my maturity. This year, I did not install the first round of betas. This is the first year that you've Ever. done that. I because know. what usually happens is I install the betas and then my phone stops working right. or my iPad doesn't. And you spend several weeks frustrated, but well, you still claim it's worth it. But I kind of enjoy the frustration because it makes me feel like what Windows users must go through. Oh, you're trying to relate to the rest yeah, of Yeah, really. It's like, you know, last year it was announced. I downloaded it. I installed it like 20 minutes before I was preaching at Emanate. And that wasn't my smartest move no. to install, install incredibly flaky software. So anyway, this year, what I learned is skip the developer preview and wait for like some of the betas, which should be out this week. That's exciting. Which I'm really excited about. Main topic for this week. It would be obvious if we would talk about Father's Day. But we talked about it last year. Not to, not to say that we can't talk about fathers. Fathers are amazing, amazing, amazing. But I'm not sure if we mentioned this last year when we were talking about Father's Day. But this particular season has traditionally been quite rough for you. Do you want to explain why? Yeah. Um, well, for me, uh, June 21st, which is actually today this year, but June 21st is my dad's birthday. And uh, on the year that he actually killed himself, uh, it he killed himself on Father's Day, which was June 23rd. So... Every time it sort of comes up to around Father's Day, I have not only his birthday, but the anniversary of his death and also Father's Day. Sometimes they're all on the same day. Sometimes, you know what I mean? Well, they're never on the exact same day, obviously, because there's, um, but it just, you know, it's just historically been hard. It's hard not to think about him. It's hard not to miss him. Right. And then throw in when we got married, my birthday <laughs> happens Is- to fall within this week. Yeah, and it's Father's Day. You know, once we start having kids, not only did you have to wrestle through missing your dad, but there was a sense where you realized, oh, I need to celebrate my husband, Mm -hmm. and the kids wanted to celebrate me, Mm -hmm. and face facts, I wanted to celebrate me. Yeah, and it and it's you know on one level, it's uh, I don't I don't know if it's the right phrasing to say it's just not okay not to, but like I, I I had to sort of go okay. I want to celebrate you. I want to celebrate Alan. I want to teach the kids to celebrate you. And But I also, in the midst of that, want to be real to how I'm feeling and allow God to come in, work in my heart anyway. As an aside, you know, you were talking about you want the kids to celebrate me. Earlier today, I set up Tia, who's now six, with her her own iPad, which she's had for a couple of years. But I've set her up with an iCloud account so she can text people. Mm-hmm. And so her first text to me, she said, well, Daddy, I can't write. But actually what we found is it really develops their writing and reading skills getting texts from us. Yeah. But I showed her the emoji page. So I said, well, you can just text me with pictures. 
And she goes, okay, I'm going to text you what I want. So my first ever text from my six-year-old is four emojis. The first one is a DVD. The second one is a CD. The third one is a bag of money. And the fourth one is a diamond. (laughs) I'm feeling pretty celebrated. (laughs) That's okay, honey. She sent me a hamburger. (laughs) I was like, oh, look, Tia's texting. What did she do? Oh, texted me a hamburger. She must want breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) I should point out right now to all the adults that Tia likes, she's been asking me for all of your numbers so that she can text you. So brace yourself. Anyway, back to... I think she might have a crush on Jeff Slaughter, darling. There's no thing. She just said, can you give me Jeff Slaughter's phone number so I can text him? I was like, I'm not sure Jeff's (laughs) going to particularly appreciate that. We're not sure he wants to hear from me, darling. But anyway, it's very cute. Anyway, sorry, we were talking about celebration in the midst of difficult circumstances. You had a revelation about that this week. As I was sort of thinking about this week and doing the podcast, I was thinking, you know, there's... It is difficult to celebrate in the midst of things not being perfect, but actually rarely are things ever going to be perfect. And if you have to wait to celebrate until they're perfect, you're probably never going to celebrate. Right, and Pastor Jeff was talking about that this week. He was talking about how perfectionism forbids celebration because for the perfectionist, they can never acknowledge that something's good until it's good enough. So they just end up in this cycle where you can't celebrate anything And he was encouraging us as a staff to actually celebrate progress and not the goal. Yeah. And I think too, like celebration also acknowledges trust in God. Like being able to celebrate where things are at now without them being perfect. Like just being able to go, wow, God, I see all of this stuff. It doesn't mean you don't see all the other stuff, but being able to celebrate that also puts your heart in a position of trusting God and honoring God for what he's actually doing. I think there's such a temptation in life to look around at the things that aren't great and focus on those. And one of the things that Don said this morning, you know, when he uh, when he was talking about Philippians, Philippians doesn't say, look at whatever's not working out, whatever's dismal, whatever's horrendous. It says, you know, look at what's good and true and think about these things. And I right. think it's a great reminder. Like if you center your heart on being able to be thankful and celebrate the things that are around you, I I think probably one, you're going to invite more of those things towards you, you know, out of thankfulness, you're opening doors for better things to come. But it's not, um, it's not a lie to celebrate when there's also stuff that's wrong. Does that make sense? Right. You mean it's not fraudulent. Yeah, because I think sometimes we think, like I remember right after my dad died, um, well, probably not right after, it was probably about seven or eight months after my dad died, I remember the first time I laughed. And I remember thinking, why am I even laughing? Like, how can I laugh? He's still gone. Right. And and the fact is, it's okay to have, you know, it's more than okay, it's necessary to have moments of levity and being able to acknowledge when things are okay. And it doesn't mean that everything's perfect. Right. So, I mean, I was just sort of thinking about that kind of stuff, like the challenge to not look around you and um, complain or, you know, but be able to look around you and go, okay, God, what can I celebrate in what you're doing right now? That's a really powerful thing because you tend to attract whatever you focus on. Yeah. I think that's why I love being surrounded by childlike people. And I mean that in the highest form of a compliment. But there's people in my life who 
will find the good in everything. And I love those people because I don't know if I'm just hardwired. I mean, I don't know what it is, but I can walk into anywhere and notice, you know, the pictures that aren't straight or the light bulbs that aren't on or the fingerprint on an otherwise clean table. And, and I can actually miss the greatness for one or two other things. And right. then I have people in my life who don't even notice those things. And I'm like, what, what is life like for you? And it looks like life is much giddier for them than it is for me. Right. Well, that's the whole childlikeness thing, isn't it? Right. Our, our kids really don't care if there's fingerprints or if there's whatever. They just walk in a room and, and want to enjoy the room, want to enjoy the people. That's probably because they're the instigators of all the fingerprints. Well, that's true. But I still think that there's something about, you know, the way kids view things, it just isn't the way that we view it. And there's probably something that's better about their view. We had some friends come into town at the start of the year and share with the staff at Grace Center, and they said something that that stuck with me since January, and they said that celebration is the highest form of acceptance. And I've really felt like the Lord this year, this first six months of the year, has been really encouraging me to celebrate and to receive celebration. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that whole thing of like celebrating the successes of other people. And I think that's a great, it sounds silly to say discipline. But I think sometimes if we're not careful, we're so caught up on what's going on in our life that we forget to push pause and celebrate what's going on in other people's lives. Right. And then, you know, Bill Johnson talking about honor, his description of honor is brilliant. He said, honor is the ability to celebrate who someone is without stumbling over who they're not. Right. Talk to me about what that looks like in your life. Well, I think in terms of like Father's Day, I mean, I, um, of course, I post on Instagram and I'm, I was looking for a picture to post of my dad this morning. And I guess I sometimes think like, if I post this, you know, does, does that, you know, I, I can post a picture of my dad and I can celebrate the things that he was without stumbling over the things that he wasn't because the Lord has healed my heart a lot in that area. And I, I can absolutely celebrate him and be really thankful that I had him as a dad, you know, and he wasn't perfect, but but God's taking care of the rest. You know, he's made up the lack. Right. Um, and I think you have to be able to do that to to be able to really love or appreciate anybody because nobody is going to be perfect. Right. So so for me it's just being able to go on Father's Day. Yeah, there's there's a lot that uh that wasn't there, but hey dad, there were some things that you were really great at and I'm thankful for those things. I've been really struck by when Graham Cook was here a couple of weeks ago. And he said, you know, God doesn't look at what's wrong with people. He looks at what's missing from their experience. Yeah, that's so good. And so you think about, you know, people who are not perfect. The danger is that we, if we're not careful, we'll nullify what's good about them by focusing on what's not great about them. And that that line, there's a danger sometimes when God's introduced a new revelation that we write off what he's saying as purely semantics. Mm-hmm. So I remember when Chip Judd first taught me about boundaries, you know, 12 years ago, I was furious with his teaching. Because it sounded like he was splitting hairs. It sounded like semantic. It sounded like he was saying, well, you know, you can't say you make me so angry because I don't have the power to make you angry. I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. So when when Graham says, you know, God doesn't look at what's wrong with someone. 
He just asks what's missing from their experience. That just sounds like a nice, cuddly, politically correct way of saying the same thing, but it's completely different. It's totally different, yeah. You know, it instantly ushers in grace. Mm -hmm. It instantly presents an opportunity to help be part of the missing experience. And it's it instantly makes celebrating other people way, way easier. And it moves you out of judgment into mercy. Here's a a fun exercise for our listeners this week. I'm assuming it's Father's Day everywhere. I guess it is. I know Mother's Day is different in Yeah, I think Father's Day is still the same everywhere. Well, you know, you've probably been celebrating your fathers. Maybe you haven't. Maybe like AJ, you had a you know, a negative experience with a father. Or maybe unlike AJ, you never got the restoration that you would have loved. Maybe the things that, you know, your dad was missing has nullified your ability to celebrate him. But I want to broaden this a little bit further afield than just fathers and just ask, who could you celebrate this week? And then how could you celebrate them? Is it something as simple as writing them a card, dropping them an email, sending them a gift voucher, you know, whatever. How can you practically celebrate somebody this week Mm -hmm. and express to them your love and your affection for the fact that they're in your life without feeling like you're being insincere because you feel like you're overlooking the things they're not good at. Rather than feeling you need to overlook them, why not ask the Lord what is missing from their experience with him and maybe see if you can minister into that area. Yeah. That doesn't include... Here, I bought you a book on how to be a better boss because you suck at being a boss. (laughs) Yes, that would not be under ministering. No. No. We have some listeners' questions, babe. Mm -hmm. And one question, which I thought was really, really good, fits in with um, what we've just been talking about. It's from Annie, and she writes in, she says, I feel like I have been in a season of waiting for an extended period of time and have seen and felt visible growth in my heart and life during the wait. My question is, in the waiting, how do you not lose hope in the very dream that you're waiting to see fulfilled? I guess, Annie, I guess my my first response would probably be just being filled up, like keep looking at him. If we only look at the things that we're waiting for and the fact that they haven't arrived yet, then we're probably focusing on the very wrong thing. And it it's like that watch pot never boils thing. You know, it's going to make everything feel like it's taking longer anyway because our focus isn't actually on the Lord but on what we feel like we're waiting for. Does that make sense? So I guess my uh, advice would be to just push into God. Like I think no matter what it is that you're waiting for, the Lord isn't going to allow you to miss it as long as your heart is not to miss it. You know what I mean? As long as your heart is to push into God and be like, Lord, I want everything you have for me and you focus on Him those things that you're waiting for are going to come when it's the right time for them to arrive. But it's probably going to feel like a shorter period of time if you can focus on him rather than focusing on the lack of them arriving. There's also the other element where character is formed in the absence of what you want. And so that it's very easy to praise God and to give him honor and worship and glory when you have everything you want. And it's not that that's cheap worship at all it's very very valid worship it's from an overflowing heart but there's something about worshiping god and purposing in your heart to praise him even before what you're looking for and the answer has come because there's something about declaring god's goodness in the seeming absence of his goodness that actually does incredible things for our heart 
And uh, like you said, babe, if you're just focusing on the negative, it tends to lead to bitterness uh, rather than celebration. Yeah. So don't don't focus on the dream. Focus on him, but realize that he's somebody who cares more about your dreams than you do. Yeah. That old ancient Chinese proverb, don't, yeah. don't miss today by focusing on tomorrow. Is that an ancient Chinese proverb? I'm not sure it's an ancient Chinese proverb, but I think I saw on a P.F. Chang's um, fortune cookie. So there you go. Our second question this week says this. I just recently started catching up on all your episodes. This is the only podcast I currently listen to, and I love it. Thanks for a great show. I feel filled up whenever I listen to you and your guests. Well, thank you so much. This is the question. Do you have any wisdom on how to be kind and friendly to people without giving them the idea that you want a deeper relationship? I'm specifically talking about friendships with people of the same gender. There is someone in my life I've spent enough time around to know that I don't want a deeper relationship with. This is not a bad person, but I have reasons for not wanting to further this relationship. We work together, so I can't just choose to never see her. In the past, I might have opted for somewhat cold interactions and even avoidance, but that's not a healthy solution. Other than declining invitations to hang out, which makes me feel unkind, even though that's not my intent, I haven't had an explicit boundaries talk with her. I'm a responder with a high gift of mercy, so I find it very difficult to know how to still love this person and help her to feel accepted while maintaining the relational distance I need from her. Thank you for any guidance you can offer. I'm not sure I have any guidance that you might want to hear. (laughs) Because I'm a much lower responder, I wouldn't personally have any of the feelings that you're having. So it sounds like, put feelings aside, it sounds like you already know what you want to do. You want to uh, not develop a relationship with this person that you work with. Because they're not life to you on whatever level. On whatever level. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing you prob- your heart probably needs to hear is that's completely okay. Yep. You do not need to be in an intimate relationship with everybody you meet. Yeah, you don't have to be friends with everyone. You don't. And especially the people that really want to be friends with you and you really don't want to be, that, you know, that shouldn't change what you're deciding. Yeah. So it sounds like you're conflicted there. That's not a sentiment. I'm familiar with, so pardon me if my <laughs> if my advice seems a little bit cold. So, you know, you're you're I love that you're being powerful enough. Well, you know, you're not just choosing passive aggression. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with declining invitations to hang out. Like the only way a relationship grows is either you invest in it or they invest in it. And so if they're trying to invest in it by asking you to spend time outside of work or this or that, the next thing the simple way to ensure that you don't invest in it is to decline those. Mm-hmm. And if that leads to a uh, a conversation like, hey, how can we never hang out anymore? You can address that head on. But it doesn't sound like you're trying to backpedal a relationship. It sounds like you're not wanting to move forward in the relationship. So it's unlikely that that's going to happen. You said other than declining invitations to hang out, which makes me feel unkind, even though that's not my intent, if I could just speak to your heart and just say, you're not unkind, for being honest with another person's feelings. What would be unkind is to actually accept an invitation you don't actually want to accept because then that's fraudulent and you're actually investing in a relationship you have no desire to do so. So, Yeah, you'd end up hurting their hearts way more later on. It's, it's way better to just be like, oh, thank you for asking. Um, I'm, I don't want to do that. Right. And it's usually better to use language like, I don't want to do that rather than, oh, I'm sorry, I can't because my mother's in town that week because that means next week when your mother's not in town 
it's perfectly legitimate to request that again. So it's much easier just to be quite powerful in your in your conversations. Now, the tricky part, most normal human beings will read those interactions and probably... Eventually. Yeah, stop <laughs> inviting you. It may mean that you have to have a more powerful conversation or a more direct conversation, which would usually happen in one of two situations. One, they're not picking up what you're throwing down. So, you know, you, you may be it may come to the fact that you have a more powerful conversation. That's usually that arrives at that person being powerful and coming to you and saying, hey, it feels like you don't want to hang out anymore. And at which point you can just say, yeah, you know what? My friendship quota right now is completely full. I'm having difficulty maintaining the friendships I do have without trying to grow new ones. And I really want to honor the existing relationships I have. That's a very polite way of of expressing what's going on in your heart. Or they might have a meltdown if there's a bunch of stuff missing from their experience with God. Uh, and in which case, you know, you might need to take a kind of softer approach. I think basically you don't have to feel bad for not wanting to be in relationship with everybody that's around you. Nobody can actually do that. Nobody can be in relationship with everyone. Now, you can be loving towards them, but you don't have to be their friend. And so I think, first of all, to give you the freedom to say, okay, that's not what I want, and it's okay that, that that's not what I want. And that's not unloving No, to not want that. I think the danger is somewhere along the lines, we've been taught that in order to be loving, you have to meet the needs of people that are expressing needs. That's not love, that's insanity. Yeah, you can't possibly meet every single person's needs that, you know, that are around you. That's not, that's not your job. You're not designed to do that. So you just free you up to to be able to be you and be able to invest in the friends that you've chosen or that God's placed around you and and be free to do that. And it, it could be that you're going to end up having to have a, a conversation and you can still be kind and you can still be loving, but you need to be truthful because otherwise you're going to end up having the same conversation over and over again. So you do need to be able to say, you know, I really appreciate that you'd like to, you know, be friends or whatever it is that they're asking the thing is, I I have lots of friends that I'm already trying to invest in, and I just don't feel like I can, uh, you know, invest in anymore at this time, or you know, whatever. However, you want to put it, um, but just be clear. Well, that's it for this week. If you want to see the show notes for this episode, go to alanandaj.com/slash/fifty-seven. If you would like more information or more teaching on the snippet that we talked about there about setting boundaries with other people in relationships, we have a three CD teaching. Also available is a three MP3 download set on boundaries. You can go to our website, alanandaj.com slash boundaries to find out more information about that and listen to some samples. AJ, anything happening this week we need to know about? Nope. I think we're done. All right, ladies and gentlemen, have an incredible week. We will see you this time next week. Have an amazing week. Well, we probably won't see you but we'll hear you. Or no, you'll hear us. Okay, bye.